Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm very, very happy to be virtually joined by my friend, Brant James, all the way across the country in Florida, but we're linked by the magic of Skype. Brant, how are you? I'm doing great. I feel like we are virtually reaching across those flyover states and hugging somewhere around eastern Colorado, maybe around a Kansas or Nebraska area. It's pretty good. So like if we were going to meet halfway, we'd have to go to like Nebraska? Is that what you're saying? We'd, we'd pick a spot, we'd, we'd make an X on the map, and it'd be like the middle of a cornfield, and we'd meet right there and be hug and, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, have a cup of coffee or something, and then just walk back, you know, do what we do. Cool. So uh, in lieu of being at a Starbucks in the middle of Nebraska, we were <laughs> able to join you together by the magic of Skype, and we are here today because we're going to talk about awards and superlatives and the best and worst things of the year. But of course, because it's Brant and I, we can't just have regular awards. We have to have some offbeat awards. And so that's what we're going to do today. We have 10 categories that we've come up for you guys. Uh, now, Brant, what are we what are we calling these awards, by the way? Wow, I guess... We have to combine it, our names or something. We do. Uh, see, Brant plus Jeff, the Gluck... Uh, the I don't know. I mean, it's your podcast. I think we just call them the Gluckies or the Glucksters to start. I mean, I think oh, that's no. going to be... Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're as much a part of this, so I'm not going to take all the blame for when people get mad. <laughs> I think uh, we either go with the, the Breff, B-R-E-F-F, you know, or, or, or Braff. No, that sounds like uh-huh. Zach Braff or the it does. the the Jant. The, I don't know. The, the, the Jant Awards with a uh, no, I don't know. What do you think? Sounds kind of that sounds kind of uh, men's clubby. Um, I don't know. I, I think in the spirit of you taking all the blame for what people hate and the fact that you called me on the Skype machine and this is your unnamed podcast, I think year one, maybe just a working title, uh, are are the Gluckies. Wow. Okay. You have, you want no part of this, Brant. Well, let's just see how it unfolds. <laughs> uh, okay. So first of all, our, our first category is going to be best NASCAR Twitter feud. And uh, I know people get cranky on Twitter sometimes. So um, I guess I'll start with one of the nominees that I can think of. And and by the way, the format for this, for, for those listening, is we're going to throw out some nominees. We're going to try to basically do it on the fly. We haven't really um, pre-planned because I don't want to know what Brant says and have that uh, color my view on things. So um, I'm, we'll throw out some nominees together, combine our minds, and then we'll give our picks for each award. So um, the one best Twitter feud uh, that, that comes to mind first, I guess, is uh, Keselowski talking about the Toyotas and then the oh, Toyota you took drivers. That best one. No, that, this is just a nominee. It's just a nominee. Uh, <laughs> That's the best one. Okay, do you what is that the one you were thinking of? It was absolutely the one I was going to take. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to like to poo-poo this from the beginning, but seriously, th- this is this is the Oscar plus uh, Clio plus Academy Award plus Grammy right here. I, I don't know who's going to top this one, but let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. Maybe something else will pop into our mind. No, I think you're right. I mean, th- this one got a lot of attention on TV, and um, I I kind of feel weird about this one because actually, you we were both in Sonoma for the IndyCar yeah. finale when this happened. And yeah. I had, we were, it was like in between IndyCar practices or something. And I had, uh, I was trying to catch up with what was happening in NASCAR. So I tweeted, uh, I looked at the practice order from NASCAR and, and, you know, I was like, oh, Toyotas are one, two, three, four, five or whatever. 
And, you know, not, you know, I, we, we go back to our little IndyCar stuff. Next thing you know, I get a notification on my phone. And it's like, Brad Keselowski has retweeted you. Or I was like, oh, what's <laughs> this? And, and he said, you know, we're in for a rude awakening. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we were watching uh, practice on NBCSN in the, uh, in, the media, uh, in the media center in IndyCar at Sonoma. And they're like talking about the tweet and like my name's getting thrown. I'm like, how is this? What, what had happened here? You were stirring the pot from a long ways away, you instigator. I, I, I really didn't mean to, but I guess Brad Kozlowski uh, couldn't help himself there. But here's the thing about his tweet. Uh, didn't he turn out to be right? It, it seems like he was right-ish. I mean, the Toyota camp doesn't want to you know, let the perception be out there that they had any sort of advantage because it sort of makes the human beings that work on the machine seem a little bit less a part of the equation. But yeah, I mean, look at the way the season panned out. Look at the way it trickled down to down to Homestead. Um, just like the whole season was a representation, or the, the final was a representation of the season with, with Truex winning it, so it was sort of the way the manufacturers shook out getting to Miami. Yeah. All right, well, you know, I think that that seems like the that that category was too easy. Hopefully, the other cars, the the other categories, won't be as easy. But it was a warm up. It was a warm up. Yes. Lucky. Okay. They're so, just getting a sense of it. The fans are just getting how this works now. I, I'm not committing to calling them gluckies yet, but whatever, <laughs> whoever, whatever that first award was goes to at least from I think I think we both agree. Um, Brad Keselowski versus Toyota for best NASCAR Twitter feud. And with those two, it's almost a lifetime achievement award just from <laughs> jump because it's happened, it's happening, it's gonna happen, and it's it's kind of unfair. It's like Dale Jr. and the most popular driver award. As long as they're in each other's presence, you might as well engrave the trophy. Yeah, I can't wait for the sequel. Hopefully it is even better than the original. <laughs> so category number two here. And uh this this is going to be a little bit difficult because there's there's many of these, but um we're going to go crankiest interview of the year. And what I'm thinking is this, the criteria for this, it has, it can't be a, a one-on-one interview or something where, you know, you just got blown off by some driver. Uh, it has to be something that happened in the media center or a high profile moment. So uh, automatically here, my mind goes to Kyle Busch. He had several. Yes. Uh, do you, do yes. you have any, is, is that what you're thinking as well? Some Kyle yeah, Busch moments? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's had a couple, but uh my first one is uh, our dear close friend Bob Pockers of ESPN cues him up uh, after the Coke 600, that uh, 17 and a half hour race, and um, he he finishes second to Austin Dillon. Dillon stretches fuel. Kyle can't quite get there, and Bob asks uh, just asked him about his thoughts on Austin Dillon winning, uh, winning uh, if he was surprised by it, and I think his quote was something of had this sort of like look on his face like he's having an allergic reaction. And then he, he did like sort of a real glance by nose pick kind of a thing. And he said, I'm not surprised by anything. Congratulations. And boom, not just a mic drop, but just sort of a fling, a little projectile. And uh, that was it. <laughs> that really was that really was a good one. Uh, yeah. The the only other Kyle Bush one that I think really comes to mind was after the Vegas fight um, mm. when he did not want to talk. And he came out and said, everything is great. Everything is great. Everything is great, and and refuse to talk or say anything um, after after the whole fight thing. But you know, in in that case, I don't think you know that that seems so pre planned, and yeah. you know that that was like calculated. Like I'm just not going to say anything because he was coming yeah. out of the NASCAR hall, or I think after they had spoken to him, and he and I think you know Bill Janitz, his PR guy or whatever, just like hey, you know, you don't have to talk. I, maybe, um, but anyway, so. 
Um, yeah, I think I think the one that you mentioned is has got to be my pick. Um, that that was a really that was a truly cranky moment. It got parodied a lot. We saw that mic drop several times. I think JRM three sixty did their own thing on it. Yeah. So that's yeah. my pick. That's your pick as well. It is. Yeah. Drivers were at Dover. Uh, drivers were sort of making fun of that and having a little little sport with Kyle. And and he's, he's he makes this easy. I mean, as you mentioned before, he's this sort of king of the is it canned one liner? Was it balls and strikes? You know, before talking about officiating, it's almost like he writes that stuff on the glove. He just sits there and simmers, waiting for the chance to drop it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the 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 uh, the hornet attack, rub your face, glancing nose pick, drop the mic, man. I think that's that's minted right there. Okay, so we've come to unanim- unanimous choices on the first two categories here, and now we'll move on to number three, which is best rule change. Now this could be um, not only a rule that happened before the season, Brant, but this could also be something that was changed mid-season because that tends to happen in NASCAR. So um, let's just let's just try to spitball some of the some of the categories here. Uh, obviously, you had the stages and the playoff yeah. points, which were which are pretty a pretty big rule change. You also had them um, change the overtime line in the middle of the season. Good uh, one. They got rid of that and they moved it back to the start finish line to basically make it a green white checkered. Although they refused to call it a green white checkered, even though it's the exact same rule. <laughs> except I think with unlimited attempts instead of three attempts. So that's another one. Do you have any rule changes that pop to mind for you? Those are the two biggest ones. And another thing I was thinking of, it's not exactly a rule, but the the enhanced weekend, and I'm just going to use that for a point of reference and then just not use that term anymore, but just the experiment uh, shortening down weekends to the two-day shows. I think we had four of them. Was there a Watkins Glen, a Martinsville, a Pocono, and a... You had, uh, um, I think... Martin- I think- well, the the main ones where they did the qualifying on race day, there was just three yeah. of them. There was just yeah. uh, Pocono, Glen, and Martinsville, right? Yeah, that. Yeah, okay, yeah, that that's what it was. But you're right. Um, I thought there was four. Anyway, uh, but yes, I like that. That's not really a rules change. That's sort of sort of a, a method of operation change. I like that. Uh, I know there's some promoters out there, Eddie Gossage, who doesn't like that kind of thing. But I, I think the fans are starting to get behind that, getting a little more uh, meat in the days that they attract, that they're attracted to the track. And I think that was a big deal. Um, but yeah, stage racing, I think is probably the king of the hill on this one. Um, and, and the, the, the uh, removal of the uh, start finish line from its new spot on the back stretch, stretch back to the start finish line was a big one, an adjustment made after Indy. But um, I think especially the way that the points played out and Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern's exploitation of it. Uh, and I mean that in a complimentary way, they were, they were masterful uh, is definitely the uh, rules change of the year okay well let me throw this in in there because i don't know this is actually a rules change but i'll i'll you know i'll put it in for our purposes here so uh, after the michigan race uh drivers complained about debris cautions and pretty much Mm. from that point on at least it was a policy change it seemed like from nascar where they did not have um they kind of let the races play out as much as possible and they're they actually had a Specific policy change where if there was debris late in the race, David Hoots mm-hmm. would get on the radio and say, bring that debris to the hauler um, so people can inspect it after the race. Like they were really, if there wasn't debris they could pick up and show the teams afterwards, they would not call debris cautions. And mm-hmm. uh, I think Dustin Long wrote something there was like only 21 debris cautions all year. 
And like 10 years ago, there was 85 debris cautions in a season. Wow. And wow. even last year, I think there was like 51. So that dropped dramatically. So let's just for the argument's sake here, if you had to put uh, the lack of debris cautions or letting the race play out versus stage racing and that rule change, which which gets your award? Do you still go stage racing? I think you got to go stage racing because it, because it affected every lap. Um, of every race. Now, now granted, a, a, a timely or untimely, depending on where you're running, debris caution can affect what you've done uh, to that point uh, for any driver. But I think the fact that stage racing is a, was important in strategizing every single thing that you do, um, I think that's got to be it. And, and uh, I will put in our uh, virtual ballot box for the possible uh, 2018 rule change and we're going to go air guns, baby. I think those standard air guns are going to have some uh, have some significance. That and removing a crew member. But I think we've already got two in the hopper for next year. So make sure you uh, you keep a file on that on your desktop for you know like 365 days. Yeah. Why don't I keep files? Or why don't you? Keep, why don't, maybe you do. I, I I feel like I always get to the end of the season, and then when I want to think about like what was the best race or what was the best moment or what was the best quote, I go, damn, I should have been keeping this all year. Yeah, you know what's weird is I am a cloud guy. I keep everything on the cloud. I keep every interview there. Um, I keep audio files. I keep that stuff around. But I really wish that I was wealthy enough to have some sort of personal assistant who could find this stuff and give it to me as I need it because I I tend to remember things sort of in concepts. Like like our, our mutual friend and comrade, Nate Ryan, has such a great memory for this because he he, he segments this stuff. And he probably would have gone through and added eight things to each of these categories because he remembers things like that. And, and like you, I have to, I save it and I keep it, but I still have to rifle through it to sort of like jog my memory on, on what happened like three days ago. I'm trying to remember what I had for lunch right now, and I'm, I'm coming up blank. No, Nate's, Nate's memory is unbelievable. He's probably listening to this right now and, and like screaming at the – Speaker so going, disappointed. You he's idiots. so disappointed. He's Why so can't disappointed. You, yes, right exactly. Like he's he probably completely knows all this other stuff. That you know, I, I can't tell you who won like half the races this year without really thinking about it. Yeah. You can say, Nate, hey, who won the 2013 Kansas race? And he goes, uh, you know, Greg Biffle or whatever. I don't know how like, he does it. I don't, instantly, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. My memory is like a caveman. You asked me to sum up the twenty seventeen season, my mind would just go true X good. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll come up with some stuff for the other. Uh, and fire bad, Truex good. Seven awards we have left, so we could be in trouble. Um, so this is a category that uh, you you have come up with. I think it's very good because there is a lot uh, to go on here. And it was coolest thing Cole Pern did. That's that's the award category. So do you want to start us off? Yeah, and I'll I'll try not to take all of them because uh, I think we were in, in the same place for a couple of them. But I mean, we I'll I'll just gloss it and say we were on the the trip together with with the Toyota folks going to the Park City and uh, Salt Lake City uh, for for with the Olympians, and we saw him uh, do some skating. You know, basically say I'm not going to be able to skate in these long speed skating skates. I'm a Canadian hockey player and this won't be very easy at all. And he's shushing around the place, like looking like a coach within a couple seconds. Uh, I'm pretty sure he would have just jumped right off that ski jump if they'd let him. But, um, to me, it was interesting watching him grow into the role of, I mean, I think he's kind of become the rock star crew chief now. It used to be Chad Canals with obvious reasons, seven titles, but it was interesting to watch Cole Pern grow in that role from, 
the guy who calls a good race and then something goes wrong to the guy who's helping Martin Truex Jr. dominate the season. And my favorite moment with him this year was after the race at Dover, the, the playoff race at Dover. He was just standing there. He was thumbing through his phone. And I'm like, I'll just throw any question at him for a Monday follow story or something. And I asked him about other manufacturers still carping about, um, you know, Toyota and if he thought that the other manufacturers were catching up to Toyota now that they were getting to the playoffs. And he just looked up and he wasn't mad or anything. It was just just an honest quote. He goes, yeah, you know, I think those guys ought to spend less time worrying about me and just worry about what they do. <laughs> I'm like, In wow. such a Canadian way. It's such a, and that's what it's all about. I mean, if you if you write that quote down, it looks totally inflammatory. And the guy was just like thumbing through Instagram or something, and it's like that was just his opinion. It was unvarnished. He wasn't trying to rile anything up, but it's just what he felt. And it's just it, to me, it sort of spoke to to the inner coal um, that this is just sort of a this guy who just does what he does, and he's he's really good at it right now. And I thought it was just a a really cool moment, and he seems to be having a lot of fun and. You like to think he's able to hope that he's able to continue doing that. Yeah, I, I when you when you mentioned this category, my thoughts went to his Twitter account. Um, yeah, he's uh, he, his tweets are unbelievable. I mean, he had the one, um, you know, just trying, trying to scroll through him here. He uh, September twenty fourth, he tweeted, "I almost knelt for the Canadian national anthem today just to see what would happen," <laughs> and then put in parentheses, "I'm joking for all the dumb people." Uh, <laughs> He's just so fireproof. He just doesn't care. And yeah. I, and I and I think it, I don't think he's trying to stir something up and just pull away from it. It's it's just really great. Yeah. Well, my favorite one uh I, I do have to go with one that's, you know, maybe a, a moment that uh he's not proud of or or maybe he just he just got in trouble for it sounds like, but uh he posted after the Homestead race the picture of him peeing um, oh, yeah. up against the wall and so it was like the, this is the best piss I've ever had then he had to <laughs> delete the tweet but that that is going to be my pick Brant for the coolest thing he did all year despite you know the the Olympic stuff you raise a great point he was skating around with his arms behind his back like he was a professional yep. skater and I mean he was out doing all the drivers in every sport um, yeah, but that that was just uh, that was pretty cool. I I liked his I liked his Twitter stuff. There, there's one more that I think you'll like uh, on the Utah trip. Before he got on that skiing simulator machine, uh, we were both changing uh, in the locker room because they were about to put me on a bicycle and torture us with this CrossFit stuff. And um, I got, on the flight out, I'd, I'd worn my uh, Seahawks shirt underneath my pullover because I'm a Seahawks fan. You are. You being a Denver guy will appreciate this and Furniture Row being located in Denver. So anyway, we're changing and he sees me wearing a Seahawks shirt and he just looks at me cross-eyed and goes, I don't think we're going to be able to be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's so he, he's got local Bronco pride that you just can't hide. So there That's you are, good. Denver. <laughs> so what is, your, what is your award pick for his absolute coolest moment? I still think it was when he was like, ah, I can't really skate around yeah. uh, with these skates. And it, I mean, the, the, the underlying theme of the whole trip was Suarez was actually really athletic too, but it's like, my goodness, what can't Cole Pern do? Look at this dude, man. Yeah. We should have known they were going to win. That was pretty great. You're right. You're right. Okay. So uh, the next category is most impactful retirement. Now there's a, there's a little qualifier on this because it's the non-junior division Mm. of the most impactful retirement. So um, obviously that leaves us with Kenseth. It leaves us with Danica. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that, 
other drivers are retiring, so to speak. So I, I wouldn't really throw like a, like a Landon Castle yeah. in here, but I don't, you know, Landon Castle doesn't have a ride, but I, it's a, it pretty much comes down to a debate. I think is why you propose this category. It's a, it's a debate. Who will have the, the bigger impact on leaving Danica or Kenza? Do you want to go first here? Yeah, I'll go first. I, I, I think it's Danica. Um, I mean, obviously Matt Kenseth, a former champion, uh, a, a good quote, a guy the media likes working with because he is Riley funny. Um, at, at his age in his forties, still a winner, still in great shape, you know, lost his job to a younger guy. But my, my point is if you get in a cab or an Uber in New York and for whatever reason, the person strikes up a conversation about what you do, they will know three drivers. And I, this has been my experience. The average person in a non-southern or you know, midwestern hotbed NASCAR area, they will know Jeff Gordon, they will know Dale Earnhardt Jr., and they will know Danica Patrick. And the fact that now that that Trinity is gone, Danica being the third one after she runs her Danica double next year, I think it's a really big deal to the sport because even as while the sport is still trying to get mainstream eyeballs on on the on its uh, racing series. She's gone. That's another really marketable personality, even despite her sponsor problems, that, that's out of there. And yeah. I think that's a big deal. No, I, I, it's, it's hard to argue with you on this because um, just for the fact that she brings so, many, so much attention from outside the sport um, and really is responsible for uh, a lot of little girls um, and young women in general just getting interested in the sport. Um, you know, you have people who, for instance, um, Cindy, the intern who helps me with, uh, with transcribing, um, some of my interviews and stuff, um, during the year, she, uh, only is a NASCAR fan basically because of Danica. She'd heard of Danica who was watching mm -hmm. a race and, and that got her into it. Now she likes all of, you know, all the sport in general and all the, all the drivers and stuff, but that got her into it. So when you have somebody like that going away, obviously it says a lot about Kenseth. Uh, it says about the economics of the sport for Kenseth not have a ride. So that's that's an impact, I guess, that we can see. But Kenseth was going to be gone in a couple years anyway. So I kind of mm -hmm. have to go with you and just say that um, it's going to be a bigger impact to not have Danica around. And, um, you know, like you know, when I would go home or something and, and talk to my friends, Colorado or something, and you know, they, they know Danica. Like you said, it's mm -hmm. uh, if I said Matt Kenseth, they're not going to necessarily know. So we agree on that one. Uh, next category is going to be worst media center <laughs> in NASCAR. So uh, let's run through some of the categories here. You know, the first one that comes to mind is uh, is Phoenix. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I would also say Richmond. Definitely. And uh, what what other ones would would you nominate? <sighs> one of mine is not that the facilities are that. Bad, except for being deafeningly loud, is uh, is New Hampshire because it combines two of my least favorite things, which is being deafened and being frozen. So while I'm being frozen and deafened at the same time is, is really bad for me, and I don't understand why it has to be 42 degrees inside and 88 degrees outside, and then I have to go from a parka to like a tank top, and that's just agitating to me. So uh, New Hampshire, adjust your thermostat. I, I'm I'm not down with that. Okay, yeah, so here's the thing. Let's back up for a second because, you know, this always can get kind of controversial for people that aren't in the media because they're like, why are you guys whining? Here, my thing is, I, I just want very simple things. I, I want um, internet that works. 
Mm-hmm. I want enough plugs to plug in my computer and my phone, which you would be surprised at still how many media centers today mm-hmm. um, don't have plugs. I mean, even modern media centers, you're like, uh, and you're you're all sharing like a power outlet strip that somebody's happened to bring, and you're you're kind of fighting for the power, um, not fighting the power, but fighting Fight for the power. The power. <laughs> yeah, fight the powers that be, and even the powers that um, won't be in Yes, I digress. So, um, really, I mean, you know, you, you people could talk about the food. They could talk about all oh, that. You know, they don't. They don't want to. It's not. Uh, they can't see. There's no windows. As long as there's TV, internet, and power outlets, um, and then room to work. Just you know, a lot of these. You know, Phoenix, for instance, you're having to squeeze by people. They're already crammed all the way up against their desk, and you're like, I'm sorry, excuse me. You know, but uh, here's the good news, Brant. They're getting rid of Phoenix Media Center and yeah, Richmond oh. Media Center. Is that good news? They finally got on the list. And, I, and I'm like you. I'm a person who cringes when certain members of the media or honestly certain drivers complain about their travel experience. Now, I think we cringe a little harder because we're jealous when a driver cringes, talk, complains about their flying experience because they're probably on a private aircraft and they've got even more legroom. But anyway, even if you're, if you're flying commercial and a reporter goes, oh, my plane, my plane took off too late at American Airlines, and they're just begging for some sort of Twitter hug. I just can't imagine that the average fan really gives a crap because they would probably rather trade places with us and sit on that tarmac and eventually get to Texas and go cover the race. So in in keeping with that, yes, I agree. I would sit on one of those little house in the prairie desks where you have to lift up that wooden top and you keep all your cipher and stuff and your chalk down in there. I'll even bring my own Wi-Fi hotspot, knowing the tracks are in the middle of nowhere, and I don't need Wi-Fi. Now, I would like to have a TV for scoring and a TV for the, the race. Take out windows. I don't care to look at the back of the haulers and the dudes cooking the, the chicken for the crew anyway. It's just a small amount of stuff. A bathroom would be nice. I guess if you had a secluded place with a bucket, that would suffice. It's kind of skanky, but whatever. But yes, just a place, just a, a, just a modest little place to work. It doesn't have to be fancy. And I bring my own food anyway. Don't, don't even feed us. Make us all bring lunch boxes. Just the simplest little things. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So that's where we're coming from on the worst media center. And so uh, I would say Phoenix and um, Richmond have sort of are, are failures at times along those lines. Very cramped, very small, very old. But um, so I, I will say if I had to pick one, I would say Phoenix is the worst. Phoenix is the winner. Okay. Phoenix wins. Phoenix wins. But just, I do agree with you about like travel stuff. Nobody wants to hear about bad travel. If my flights are delayed, nobody wants to hear about it. The one flight that I mentioned um, with travel problems this year was when it looked like I wasn't going to be able able to get to Phoenix from Albuquerque on after the uh, Las Vegas fight. And I had to take this airline, boutique airlines. And so I, I made it into sort of like an adventure <laughs> log. Um, Wait a minute, by, by, by boutique, it had like fancy little French lamps with the long pull cord? No, quite the opposite, quite the opposite. Oh. It, was oh. a, it was a private uh, small plane that you can buy a seat on, um, which I for, had never, never, never heard of this. For how much? It was Ish? only like uh, maybe 200 bucks one way, I think. What? Um, Why is but, it another thing? But it was, it was a very, it was the worst travel experience. Like it was yeah. not... Uh, you walk up, you don't go through security and you would have to, you'd have to go in there. I tried going through security and they said, no, 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 no. 
that's that's boutique airlines is is over here that this other i'm like oh it is <laughs> you don't have, have to go, go there with the dirty people <laughs> so um you go to this gate and there's like six people sitting there and i'm like what is going on and then this lady comes up and there's no speaker or anything she just she just said all right we're ready to board and that's everybody's like okay so you walk up and and she just says like i didn't have to show my id she goes what's your mm. name I'm like, uh, Jeff Buck. She's like, okay, how much is your bag weigh? And I put on a little scale. She goes, okay. So then I get on this plane. They had no bathroom, no flight attendant. The Ooh. cockpit was open to the front. And it was this little propeller plane um, <laughs> that had like literally six seats. And it was uh, quite in the, and I was sitting all the way in the back next to a cargo net where the luggage was behind us. So it was quite a uh, wow. quite experience there. Yeah. That's like the setup to a TV show or something, like like a lost kind of spin-off. Remember when I, I got sent to New Hampshire at the last minute and I spent twenty four I spent the whole weekend in Miami? That was fun. Oh yeah. That <laughs> see now that's that those kind of travel experiences, that's it, it, it when it's a funny story, I mean, yeah. sorry for you. But um yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think it's it's worth sharing. Otherwise, you're right, nobody wants to hear about it. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to the next category, which is biggest disappointment now obviously you know i think this could go for a driver had a bad season but uh we could also do team or manufacturer or something uh in nascar in general so let's let's just start with a a bunch of nominees here Mm -hmm. okay all right i've got i've got several but i'm only going to say one because i think there's an infinite amount of these i will say and this is this is going to sound funny a little bit but listen but hear me out i think one one of the biggest disappointments is Kyle Larson having the season that he had and not making it to the championship final because whereas the season turned out probably as it should with Truex winning because he went, he won a lot and he was the best in the regular season, Kyle Larson was number two or 2.5 for much of that year. And I think it would have been pretty dramatic to have had both of them going at it at Homestead, especially with how good Larson is at Homestead. So I, I nominate that. Okay, that's that's a very creative think outside the box one. I like that. I was thinking along the lines of uh, a Hendrick Motorsports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have Jimmy Johnson with his worst statistical season. Uh, you could not get Dale Jr. into victory lane in his final year. Um, Chase Elliott did not win despite Whoa, being... I feel like you're kind of running off here, buddy. I feel like you just like three to one now. I feel like three to one. Get a little greedy with the gluckies. Well, I'm just saying, I, I'm just listing my reasons for the overall, oh. overall Hendrick. Oh. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yes, because that that encompasses all these people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's a it's a broad nomination. I gotcha. Okay. Right. So Hendrick as a whole. Um, you could also say, uh, you know, Team Penske. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then you know at least Logano. I guess Logano. Yeah. You know, Keselowski ends up making the final four. So all the talk about well, we don't have an, we don't have as much speed. I mean, they ultimately did at least do enough to make it, and you can't really blame Ford that much because Kevin Harvick was pretty strong and almost had a chance to win the title. Yeah. So I don't know that it's like necessarily Ford is so behind, you know? Um, yeah. I think Logano was definitely one with his encumbrance after the uh, Richmond win that keeps, you know, he loses his, his slot to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, yearly contender. That was a big deal. That, that was pretty big on Cause I mean, we, we look at it now and we go, yeah, they just weren't as fast, but before the season going into it, Logano was my championship pick. So mm-hmm. I was and there was pretty, good reason to say that too. Yeah, I was shocked that 
he didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's yeah. You know what? Just thinking about, it, I, I would have to. My pick's going to be Logano for biggest disappointment, even more more than Hendrick Motorsports as a whole. What's your What's mm-hmm. your pick? You going to go with Kyle Larson? Well, like I said, as Larson is a bit nuanced. I don't know. If it, I, it's tough to call him a disappointment in that his season was very well, good. Yeah, I think you're not. It, you're not saying that he is. Just the, the fact that he didn't make it to the finals. Was, yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of a macro thing. I think if you're if you're the network. And if you're the sanctioning body, it would have been pretty compelling for you, notwithstanding who made the final, to have Larson in there. But uh, I think if you're going to go just sort of black and white with it, I think you got to look at Logano, um, a, a championship runner-up, missing out and missing out. What, what, was, what was the uh, the measurement that they quoted? Was it one thirty-second of an inch that uh, Todd Gordon was saying that, that uh, they were off in the back there? So... And, and they also claim that it offered no competitive advantage, so they say. So, yeah, I, I would think that that championship-caliber team uh, missing out on the playoffs because of that is probably your top disappointment. Okay. So next on the list is the young driver, let's say, uh, you know, 25 years old or under. So the young driver most likely to never be named on the biggest disappointment list in their career. So we're going to project here. Who who's never going to let you down, Brant? Who's never going to never going to give me up? Never going to let me down? Never. I'm butchering that terrible song lyrics. I think I think it's going to be Chase Elliott because I think he's a good driver. Uh, he's displayed an incredible knack for finishing second and in the top five. He's you know got to break through. He's had some disappointments there with getting going for that win. But I think one of the reasons that he's not going to disappoint people is he looks like he's going to be the the next most popular guy. I mean, he's he's not exactly an overt personality. He's grown a little bit in the role, but he's at least to us, he's this quietish Chase Elliott, you know, guy with the southern draw, kind of does his business. Every once in a while, he'll get a little heated if a guy named Denny Hamlin messes with him on the racetrack, but then he sort of recesses back into his more reserved outward personality. But the fans seem to be just absolutely just coveting and devouring those moments, and he looks like like his father, Bill. He is going to start uh, picking up the most uh, popular driver awards, and I don't think that um, – I don't know what would make that love go away because you know he's yet to win and he's yet to – you know, jump off the the top of a car and be this outlandish personality, but he already seems like he's on his way to being beloved. So, I think I think it's him. Okay, see, I can't go with him at all for the reasons that you mentioned because what? when when he's the most popular driver, or when he's you know, it, you, when you have high expectations for somebody, or when somebody's in the spotlight, that's when you get disappointed. So, I'm looking for somebody here who's never going to. Be disappointment. That means they can't have super high expectations in my mind. Wow. So like, um, okay. I can't go with Chase Elliott because he's always going to have a spotlight on him, and it's going to be the same thing almost as Junior. Like, well, how, how come you haven't won all these championships, Chase? If you're the most popular guy, um, you know. And I also can't really say that even about like Larson because yeah. Larson, as good as he is, he's always going to disappoint um, it, on certain occasions because he runs such a daring line and he takes chances. So. Is he could win, you know, ten races in a year and screw up one race, and then people would be like, "Oh, it's a disappointment because he didn't win," or mm-hmm. you know, he, he you know, something happened. He he had a chance, so I can't go with him. Blaney, I don't feel 
you know, great about his enough about his consistency overall to feel mm-hmm. like he's going to be so. And plus, he already has high expectations with his with his own podcast and stuff. So, I'm going here for Eric Jones because mm. Eric Jones is one of these young drivers, but nobody really talks about him that much. He's won Rookie of the Year in all three series that he's come up through, and he's going to be getting into a Joe Gibbs racing ride that is quite good. And but all he has to do, but that he, sets him up for disappointment, though, doesn't he? If he, if especially if in the shadow of Matt Kenseth, if he comes in and he's he's sea level to subpar expectations, he might disappoint you. I'm playing devil's advocate. That's here. no, that's very true. That's very true. I just feel like he's not. I feel like he's going to improve from where he was in the 77 car this year, and he'll be, mm-hmm. you know, a, a good driver. He might win a race. Um, he, he's gonna make, he's gonna make the playoffs. And he's just going to be solid and consistent. Um, so I don't feel like he is going to... I, I guess I'm taking a gamble that he's not going to um, fail in the shadow of Kenseth. But I feel like he's he's like a, a step better than Suarez. He has more experience on pavement and bigger oval tracks than Suarez, I think. And um, I don't know. I just feel like... Uh, I feel like that's going to that's gonna be the guy I'm going with. All right. So you're predicting sort of like a biffleish arc for him in his career. I think even like a, a Kenseth arc. I mean, I feel like he yeah. can be, you know, a, a quiet, steady, consistent driver, not a ton of flash, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but he does have a little bit of a hot streak at times like Kyle. But I mean, the guy is, the guy is really good. Um, he showed it at flashes this time, this at, at times this year, but couldn't close out a lot of the races. But uh, I think, I think the talent's there. So yeah, see what happens. I All agree. Right, talent's there. We're down to our uh, our last two awards. Hey, did we vote on that? I think we're tied. I don't know. We're we're gonna. Have, you know what you're gonna have to do? I still say Chase Elliott. You stay Eric. Say Eric Jones. I think you're gonna need to do a, a fan vote to break that tie for the for the Glucky uh, for young driver most likely to never be a big biggest biggest disappointment. I think you mean the breath. The breath award. <laughs> That's a terrible name. It sounds like <laughs> some sort of. I don't even know what it sounds like. It sounds like some sort of asthmatic association award. And if anyone here has asthma, I'm, I apologize. I'm not making fun of you. But seriously, you admit the breath award just doesn't have a ring to it. No. Like the glucky. Breath. B-R-E-F-F. Oh, breath. Breath plus Jeff, you see? Not breath. Just, it's not making my heart sing. Hey, glucky makes your heart sing? Wow. Yeah, I, I really quite like it. Matter of fact, while we've been online, I've already gone to Cafe Press and ordered 50 t-shirts that I'm going to wear with my jeffgluck.com hat. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's go to the most quotable driver here. Um, I don't, I, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to go against Dale Jr., but yeah. we, can, we can lay out some of the reasons. Are, are you in agreement that it's probably going to be yeah. a junior Yeah, this almost needs to have a non-junior division too because it's it's now that uh, Jeff Gordon is gone also, um, that that's that's an upper, upper elite category. That, that's Champions League, of course. Yeah, I mean, so, Dale Jr. So. is, I, I think, I mean, you've, you've done uh, more professional sports uh, than I have, but I feel like he's the, the best quote in all of sports. Um, he, he just, just the way he approaches his Q and a sessions. I mean, gosh, it was, uh, it was the Watkins Glen race and he, you were at Watkins Glen, right? I was. Yeah. yeah. I, I know the quote, I know yes. the answer that you're referring to. And, yeah, and, it was great. And, and it was a Jerry Jordan question and Jerry, uh, if he's listening, 
Um, he, you know, he may acknowledge, I don't know that this, this was what really, he was really going for with this question. I mean, it was, I think if I remember right, it was Jerry question. It was kind of a roundabout it was. Yeah, question it was. Mm-hmm. and junior took it and made it a completely different direction and gave like the best quote of like the season, as far as a media center interview where he's going on about, you know, the driver's salaries. And this is what got Kevin Harvick ultimately so angry mm-hmm. with him, I guess enough to, to flame him on all that stuff on his radio show. But, um, you know, he just sits there and he lays out the entire driver's salary thing. And to that point, I think we had all been saying, well, the economics of sport are changing, but you know, he explained it almost better than all the media people had been putting (laughs) into terms. I mean, he put it so well, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, there's, there's so many layers to him and his, his interviews throughout time and it, they've gotten better, but they've always been really pretty good. His his willingness to sit there and answer the most personal of questions coming from his background of, you know, his father did this, his father raised him to do this, helped, you know, made it hard, but helped him do this. His father died doing this. His willing to sit, willingness to sit there and answer the most personal questions about that, about his relationship with his stepmother when that was going wrong in DEI, about his career nearly ending with concussions. And we I, surely... I know I, all of us were bugging the crap out of him about every time that he had, you know, a headache or something. And I've never seen another pro athlete anywhere, any sport. He's great in one-on-one situations too, but I've never seen a pro athlete with the, not only the willingness, but almost the need to go in front of a large group of people and he feels like it is his responsibility to give you something when you ask. And he seems almost better in these large, large groups. And there are also times when he goes in where he has a thought, and I think social media has helped him realize the, the power, that the size of the hammer in his hand, and he has a thought, and he uses these forms to put it out there. And it, it seemed like he was little, he was taken aback by Kevin Harvick's blowback, because we've not traditionally seen in the media blowback against Junior, uh, but this time there was. But he, the way that he uses the platform not just to advance you know, goals or advanced you know, thoughts that he has with theories, but just to give something in the most, just you know, opening a vein situation is just absolutely unique, unique to him. And it's pretty incredible. And it's, it's pretty lucky for us and people who, who read, you know, stuff about him. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think he was stung by the, the Harvick things that, that definitely caught him off guard. And I think it, um, but what's good about it is I don't think it's made him gun shy because at New Hampshire, uh, in September, he was outspoken about the um, the burnouts, the drivers doing the burnouts. That Absolutely. Blow and, and, yep. and that was a, another example of what you're talking about. Um, and so he could, you know, that could have been something where he's like, oh, gosh, the, the drivers are going to get mad at me. Um, I remember he was walking out of that press conference and, you know, he's like, you know, waved at me. He's like, you think they're going to get mad? And I was like, who, NASCAR? He's like, no, the drivers. I'm like, <laughs> no, why, why would they? He's like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm like... But I think, you know, so I think he was, he had it on his mind yeah. after the Harvick stuff, but I yeah. don't think it stops him. And so that's going to, what that's, he's going to be a good broadcaster because of that, because he's, he's going to be honest and he's not going to pull punches, I don't think, but he'll, you know, he's, he knows what he's going to say is, is not always going to be popular. Yeah. He's got a great chance as a broadcaster. It's going to be really interesting. You would, you would hope that he doesn't get tempered and Sam flooded. 
at, at NBC has said that they want him to be him. And you would hope that he keeps that unvarnished, really raw, honest, um, you know, sort of tone about him, even as he learns the business. You know, there he just has to learn the technical aspect, but you really hope that he, he keeps coming with the raw junior feed because it's good stuff. So um, if you had to pick a non-junior best quote or project who will be the best quote um, next year, what, what, which, real quickly, what, what do you think it would be? Uh, well, Jimmy Johnson remains really, really good. Really? Um, yeah, I, I've always had good luck with Jimmy Johnson. I, I, think, he'll, I think he gives, gives stuff. I, I, I really liked his honesty um, in admitting how much they cared and wanted to go for eight. And, and they could have just not talked about it. I mean, they, they hashtagged it pretty early, um, as, as we do now in, in this uh, media realm. But I, I've always found him to be, you know, pretty, pretty, very good. You know, talking about his family, uh, going up to the Colorado and sort of living there, and the pressures of the championship, and how much they want the next one. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Jimmy's good. I, I've always thought he was a uh, very high caliber, also. Okay, well, I mean, I feel like he he talks and he tries to be open, but as far as like the golden quotes, I don't. I, I feel like you know, I, I would go with Keselowski. Um, mm you know, for, for a second guy, because he, when he wants to be now, Keselowski doesn't always want to be open or sharing. Sometimes he can be short a little bit uh, where he's just not in the mood, but when he wants to go off, he can, uh, he can give you some golden quotes. And then Kyle Busch as well would be one that I would consider because he just can't help himself. Like we talked earlier from those soundbite ish type quotes where he's, you know, even, even the, sometimes you just don't like a guy. Mm-hmm. quote type thing at, yeah. at, at Homestead. I mean, he, stuff, stuff comes out of Kyle's mouth sometimes where you're like, whoa, that was, that was interesting. So it does. Uh, I'll give you one more. This one's sort of off the wall. There, there are some drivers that I'll interview and they'll, I'll, I'll leave the interview and I'm like, that was really good. And I'll go back and I'll transcribe and I'll say to myself, that was not as nearly as good as I thought it was. And there's some drivers that you interview and you're like, this isn't really going very well. And then you transcribe, and there's a lot of little nuggets in there. Over my brief sample with him, I found Austin Dillon to be type two, where you go back and you listen, and there's there's nuggets in there. There's not necessarily digs, but there's info. There's there's just pointed things, or just he can break down uh, different things pretty well, and he's he's pretty honest sometimes about his opinions on things. So I'll um, I'll throw him as a dark horse, an honorable mention, but I think Austin Dillon is better than he gets credit for sometimes. Yeah, I agree with you on Dylan. Um, you know, a lot of fans don't like him, but he's, you know, he has a personality in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could be really, really interesting if he ever gets to the point where he's he's winning some races. So our final award in the Breath Awards. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just like to hear your reaction at this point. Um, <laughs> I am just going to start writing things here because I'm coming up with a new name before we're done. Keep Keep talking, mister. Okay. <laughs> is the most valuable driver award. And that is the driver who elevates their car beyond where we think it should probably be running. So um, some nominees here obviously would be Kyle Larson. I mean, here's a guy who takes that car and does unbelievable things with it, uh, can seem to get it to the front. And although Jamie McMurray did have a very, very solid year points-wise, mm-hmm. he wasn't in contention to win races like Larson was so, um, you know. I would think that that he would that Larson would be a nominee. Uh, Kyle Busch. I mean, 
as much as we talked about Toyota and all that stuff this year, it was really about Truex and Kyle Busch. And Furniture Row definitely seemed to have more speed than uh, JGR, even though they're the partners. But yet Kyle Busch was the one at JGR who was really outshining his teammates. I mean, even Kenseth and Denny Hamlin, who are winning veteran drivers. So um, I thought that was that was one where he could be nominated. Um, and then I would also throw Chase Elliott in there just because mm. he was the best Hendrick running driver every week. He was in contention for wins, although he never won. And uh, it seemed like he was running better than than Hendrick uh, as a whole was. So who who else would you want to throw in here, Brant? Yeah, those you you got uh, several of mine, including McMurray. Um, he might have been my top one. I I would also maybe put Harvick in there because the not counting Kurt Busch's Daytona 500 when the, the Fords did have or the Stuart Haas's did have some trouble or, or take some time to get acclimated it seemed to the Fords, but I think he's been a guy that may maybe get some three or four uh, more spots than maybe they would deserve to get on the day when the car is not great and he you know he came on. Uh, strong there at the end, so you know, further burnishing his his uh, reputation as the closer, that fearful dude who's coming on at the end of races and at the end of seasons. So I think I might put Harvick in there too. Honestly, I mean, you that that's a great pick, and I actually might have to. I, I my vote may be for your for the pick you just mentioned because if you think about it, I mean, okay, here's my reasoning on this. So Larson, he he definitely elevates that car. But just the fact that he wasn't able to make it in the playoffs, it's hard to put him ahead of the the drivers who did excel in that in that mm-hmm. standpoint. And mm-hmm. um, Kyle Busch, you know, it's, even though I think he's he's maybe the most purely talented driver, he did have a great car, you know, with Toyotas overall this year. So it's hard to say, yeah, he was really the most valuable. Um, and then Chase Elliott, the fact that he didn't win. So the fact that Harvick. You're right. Outran his teammates. I mean, Clint Boyer didn't, didn't make the playoffs. He he had some good runs. Kurt Busch shouldn't have made the playoffs based on points, but his win got him in. Danica was never really competitive. And then you have Harvick, who really, you know, could have won the championship. And mm-hmm. um, he was impressive. Now, he only won two races. It took them a while to get going, but he, he won on a mile and a half track. So, Man, you you I, I would actually say Kevin Harvick, most valuable driver, is my that's my pick. What do you what do you think? I think he just got a glucky. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't think of anything else. I can't think of it. We've got a very incompatible set of names. I mean it's it's not like you have a pen and then you have an apple and then you have uh an apple pen. It's not like that at all. You know so what so what you're saying is on most of the awards today, on our ten awards, we we agreed on the majority. However, we yeah. did not agree on what to name the awards. Is that I think you got to. I think you got to throw it out there because you know we we put our non-creative collection of mush gray minds together and we have nothing. So, I, I think this has become an interactive workshop. Okay, so if you want to talk about the podcast with Brant James, who's at Brant James on Twitter, or myself, it looks like you're going to have to do double hashtags you're gonna have to do or you can pick your hashtag how about that you can pick your hashtag with which to talk about it and you can say uh either hashtag breath b-r-e-f-f which brand which hates. why which why would you honestly i i just don't like the the awards being named solely after me when you're such a big part of the the awards here <laughs> you are the media organization see I'm, I'm speaking in canadian in honor of cold pern i think I, i'm 
I'm just a cog in this wheel. Okay. Well, a if super you're... important one. A super important one, Mister. If you are on Team Brand with this, then you you can put hashtag Glucky Yay! for these awards, which I guess, like the podcast, are the untitled NASCAR <laughs> awards for now until we get until we see your podcast. So, um, if you're interested in checking out my Patreon page, which is Patreon.com/slash/Chef underscore Gluck, um, I use some Patreon money to lure Brant into this podcast and so that could be more podcasts in the future so i appreciate those patrons um for getting some high quality contributors here i, th- I think brant's high quality i don't know about high you quality. are you high quality wow. brant you're trying to get back on the christmas card list aren't you am i too late did you already send them out it's right on the edge Ooh. i think you're back on okay so if i go with gluckies i might get one yeah and don't be mad if you get it on the 26th Okay, Just well, saying. I would be kind of mad, I, but, you know, you're not getting one, though, to be honest. <sighs> seriously? That's hurtful. Well, it is seriously, because we don't send out Christmas cards, so. Yeah, we don't send too many either. I'll be honest with you. But I would go oh. find one in the bottom of my drawer and send it to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of friend you are, Brant. And that's the kind I'm of friends friend. all of you who are listening are. We appreciate all of you. And we will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.